Crafty Radio, episode 288 on May 3rd, 2014. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio, episode 288, where we are singing along with the common people with a whole bunch of great beers. Common people like you. Mm-hmm. So we have a vast array of different beers, some of them seasonal, that we have in front of us from all around the country. Yep. Let's start with, uh, this is probably one of our lighter beers, so I think we'll start with this okay. one. Uh, this is uh, the gluten-free beer from New Planet. This is the Belgian ale that they do. And I have not had this one yet. This was supplied by New Planet. So the ingredients are sorghum, brown rice, honey, orange peel, cinnamon powder, vanilla extract, hops, and yeast. Uh, it's, you know, another one of those sorghum ales that are made to for people who are, have celiac disease or are gluten intolerant mm-hmm. for whatever reason. They make like five different kinds. I think it's five. Let me. I had it up here a second ago. Um, New Planet. Yeah, pale, amber, blonde, raspberry, Belgian, and brown. So six. And I'm pretty sure we've had the pale, and maybe the amber before. That sounds about right. This is six point eight percent alcohol by volume. Pretty high for a gluten free beer. Mm-hmm. 20, 26 IBUs. It's, it's their spring summer seasonal. Pours very clear. And it is, uh, it's a golden, would you say? How would you describe mm, it? I would describe it as, as a shade lighter than golden. It's, it's pretty okay. yellow. Yeah. Straw? Straw. Super clear. It's, it's so clear that when I leave fingerprints on the other side of the glass, it's I can see the fingerprints. Yeah, this is very... Normally very when I talk about fingerprints, I'm talking about my actual fingerprints. But no, this is the fingerprint left on the glass I can see through the glass. They poured with a a slight head when we poured it and quickly dissipated. It does have a smell of Belgian yeast character. Mm -hmm. It has a slightly woody smell. If I I was trying to pick something, I know there's not honey in it, but I would say it's kind of reminiscent of... Oh, there's honey in it. Oh, there is? Okay. I missed what you said. I'm sorry. Sorghum, brown rice, honey, orange peel, cinnamon powder, vanilla extract, hops and yeast. Yeah, the honey carries through. It has a little bit of a meaty, mead-y type aroma on the nose where it's... Um... Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a little little fine, mm-hmm. I guess is the way I would describe yeah. that. Okay. Kind of like a point. Okay. And it, it reminds me of something maybe like a, a, a clover honey or something like that. You know, that's kind of the... It might, just takes me to a clover field. You know, that's where okay. it's kind of reminds me of. As I keep smelling it, some of the sorghum's coming through now. So you're getting this little more um, grainy. Let's see. I don't have a great vocabulary for sorghum, right? right I've had it. I've had it several times, but I'm not sure I have a vocabulary um, bank ready to pick words from to describe what it smells like. Let me try to figure something out. It's musty a bit. Yeah, yeah. I guess that would work. I mean, a combination of the honey and some of the spices and maybe the sorghum kind of gives it a bit of. Um, uh, something kind of grapey, like a grape must mm-hmm. or something. Maybe something that's a little reminiscent of a Kolsch type aroma. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that's I think that's mostly arising from a whole combination of things. It's not sorghum by itself. It's not you know cinnamon yeah, it's, or anything. It's, like it's that, the but. other. It's all the stuff coming together into this interesting melange. I like the aroma. So let's see what it tastes like. Oh, mm. I was pointing to Jeff, pointing out the and grab the uh, the laser thermometer so we can see what the temperature on. Right now is. we're at fifty two degrees. Mm. About fifty seven. I'm a little bit warmer. The uh, the honey for me is is uh, actually the first sip I noticed the honey. Second sip, I'm getting more of the rice character. It reminds me of. Um, not so much a Budweiser rice character, but more of, remember when we had the Chino Nest white rice ale? It's been a long time. Yeah. But it had a very distinctive rice character. And that's kind of what I'm getting on this one as well. I, I like the initial flavor. It has a lot of interesting stuff going on. But 
not being used to sorghum ales, mm-hmm. the aftertaste, and I think we've had this problem with, with New Planet before, the aftertaste is, is a little off-putting because it's, it's, it's this kind of deep, uh, not quite bitter. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get words around it, but there's, a, there's an interesting sort of, it, it almost feels like a void, like negative space on your tongue as you're drinking it. It uh, does. It would would describe me a kind of like an artificial sweetener or something like that. Kind of, maybe, maybe, because I'm kind of getting a feel. I know what you're saying, and I think you know they're brewing a beer for someone, yes, who doesn't want gluten, right? So, if you can make a beer that's exactly like a gluten beer, great. If you can't, you know, there's going to be certain things, and yeah. I've had other sorghum beers. You know, I've had Red Bridge. We've had the New Planets. It's been a while. Um, if I remember right, you know, New Planet's the most, aside from Redbridge, New Planet's the most beeriest of these gluten-free things. You know, there's there's the, oh, what's the, what's the, oh, I can't even think of the name of it, the start of the name. I was, thought I had it. Oh, well, I, I think <clears throat> here's, here's the issue with a gluten-free beer. It, it's sort of the issue with diet drinks, right? It, you need to get used to that aspartame taste, mm-hmm. and eventually you start to actually like that. But we are not used to it. Right. And I think that that is going to have an effect on the way that we interpret <clears throat> this beer. I don't think – I think it's a flavor that you can probably get around. You can probably start to enjoy once you really get into it and, and if this is something you drink all the time. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that that aftertaste – is going to be particularly enjoyable for somebody who is just picking this up to go along with another flight of beers. Right. I'm trying to find the... Um, there's an article on Bon Appetit, uh, 10 gluten-free beers that actually taste good. And uh, New Planet does make the list there, so that's good to see. <laughs> I like the initial flavor. I like the... New Grist, that's the other one we had, New right? Grist. That that was, uh, and then there was one that was more of a honey, honey beer, right? It was uh, all mostly honey. Uh, what was that one called? That one wasn't on the ten beers that actually taste good list. I can't remember what that one was. You know, I like the initial flavor. I think it's it's interesting to try to do a Belgian ale mm-hmm. with these sort of limitations. I give them, you know, a for effort, but that sorghumness hit you strong and I think that some of these other flavors they added and they're probably like the honey and other stuff mm-hmm. are to combat that a little bit mm-hmm. but it it doesn't make it doesn't taste like you would you would expect a, a, a gluten beer you know a plain old Belgian ale to taste like mm-hmm. because and that after effect really does you know hurt the beer when you're comparing it to other Belgian ales Right. So how does this compare to Belgian ales, right? I, I kind of want to get away from that aftertaste because it's, they call it the Belgian ale. It's not particularly, excuse me, Belgian. I think maybe they were trying to go for a wit beer or something like that, right? Because the, they had the cinnamon, vanilla. It kind of has a bit of a tang that, I mean, as you get to drink it mm. and some of those honey flavors get kind of, Blended in with the whole melange of, of flavors going on, I'm thinking that it most closely is is that's probably right. It most closely resembles a wit beer. It's, it, I mean, obviously, how can you do a wit beer if you get any wheat? Right. So and they didn't use um, they used coriander. orange peel, but they didn't use coriander. Right. So I mean, it's not supposed to be it exactly. Um, but you know, for people listening, you know, it's not a Belgian double. It's not. Yeah. It's a. Yeah. Uh, or a triple. It's not along those lines. Or even the, golden strong. Yeah. It's, and the yeast isn't particularly um, adding a ton of, you know, character to I mean, I'm not which getting... Which may be just the interaction with a ton yeah, of sugar. I'm not beers. getting a big Belgian-y character from the yeast, you know, esters or phenols. You know, it's still a pretty clean fermentation on the yeast. They don't mention adding any additional sugar as well. Mm-hmm. So that is more along the lines of a beer too, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean... so. The Abbey beers are the ones where you would typically right. add some kind of candy yeah. sugar. So, yeah, I wouldn't expect this to be have been trying to do an Abbey beer thing. I'm just, I wanted to get beyond the whole the sort of thing. The Sterling. And, okay. I didn't mention that. 
You know, we only had six ounces. I'm not really... It didn't take me long to really get, get used, used to, to that aftertaste. You know, the first yeah. couple sips, it felt like kind of... It's hard to describe, but I, almost like the... It, it, it's It's analogous to artificial sweetener, diet soft drink, right? right? It's not exactly that kind of flavor or anything, but that's what the end feels like. You know, your tongue, your brain's expecting sugar and it's not there, but it's something sweet. You know, for us, our brain's expecting, I don't know, expecting gluten. <laughs> it's not there. I don't know exactly. Or it's expecting barley and it's giving us sorghum instead. And, you know, it's confusing our brains a little bit. But by the time I got to the end of the six ounces, I'm not really noticing that as a horrible problem with the beer yeah. is that aftertaste. I've got used to it pretty quickly. I still think it, it leaves, or at least the impression to me is, is like I said, it's, it's almost like a void mm-hmm. in in the center of your tongue. But but as, as you drink it, and perhaps as it warms up a little bit, it's it's filling that void, or at least it's 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 closing that void a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, with genuinely good stuff. But it's one that I think that you know, if you just pick this up and taste it with a whole bunch of other Belgian wit beers, you. It it probably you have to you have to think of it in terms of this is a sort of free beer this is a sort of beer this is right. trying to do something different. Yeah, it's uh, I, I don't know how how you know how should we talk about that right? Is it, I think it's good for a gluten free beer. Can a gluten free beer be good for? A beer, right? Can it be up there with some awesome beers? And it can be decent. It can be drinkable. You know, would I buy a six-pack of any of the gluten-free beers I've had just to drink for giggles? No, I wouldn't. Yeah. But if I was a celiac, I'm happy these, I'd be happy that these options exist. Yes. So, I mean, I think that's kind of the realm that they play in. And if anyone feels differently, I'd love to hear about it, right? If you're, if you're, can drink all the beers you want, and you found one that's a low gluten or gluten free beer that you think's, uh, you know, plays with the big boys. Let us know. Agreed. So what's next? And we have actually two other new planets we'll be trying in the coming weeks, so we'll be able to compare those as well. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all darker, right? So I think this is the next one we want to try. How, how big is the alcohol on this one, though? This is. 9%. Let's hold off on that. It's a sparkling right. ale, but it's 9%. So, uh, so, all right, let's go with the red. Yeah, go, yeah, Rusty Red from Oso Brewing Company. This was provided to us by Oso. 5.2% alcohol by volume, 28 IBUs. Uh, they, give you, they give you a direct SRM number for the color 26. I forgot to say New Planets out of Colorado. The, this beer is actually uh, contract brewed at Fort Collins Brewing Company. Uh, the new planet, and the Oso is in Wisconsin. So they say on their website, Rusty Red is uh, red ale built on a Vienna grain bill. And I think it was interesting is if you look at the the label on all the Oso beers, mm-hmm. because I, I kind of like what they're doing now. It's a little bit marketing speak, which we we have issues with sometimes, or at least I have issues with with pompous marketing speak but what they're trying to do i think and i think it's an interesting idea is they're trying to express some of the flavors you might get out of the beer yeah so the label the label says it, when it came in the mail uh, it was hard to tell at first which brewery it was right because you know it does say also brewing but it, it's it's kind of in the background is where the label is and then it's a uh, rusty red written in the negative and then there's four uh, bullet point words it's, it's eight isn't there well the, the first row has four and those have more of the flavored descriptors right. and then the second th- the second row of three is more marketing speak so well some of these are well Okay, there's three three flavor descriptors in four marketing speeches. It says smooth, malty, rich, ready. And that that could be very useful if you're looking at all the osos, trying to figure out which one's for you. Yes. And you're like, oh, malty and rich or malty and ready. Or, or if you're looking for something hoppy, okay, that's probably not yeah. what you'd want. So Balanced is also another good one that's on here. Pleasant, a little more subjective. Right. Harmonious. It's pretty subjective. <laughs> but, uh, but it's nice. Uh uh, but I, I like that instead of just having some sort of interesting graphic, having having what the brewer thinks you'll get out of the beer mm-hmm. right there out in front 
sort of bullet pointed. I think that's a really good marketing, if nothing else. Uh, so Oso Brewing Company is in Plover, Wisconsin, and they say, join the fight against boring beer at osobrewing.com. So as we said, SRM 26, which is um, Rusty Red kind of nails it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does. Uh, it's Yeah, it's an orangey brown. It's a, a cloudy, hazy beer. Hazy beer, I would say. Can't really see my finger through the glass. It pours with a light head that's rimmed around um, the edge of the glass there. The aroma kind of reminds me of, um, so they mentioned a Vienna malt bill, but what I'm smelling is kind of waffle cone. I'm smelling... Yeah, I thought I caught a little bit of something maple. Maple or um, almost like a... I like your waffle cone. Waffle that's cone a good and like cherries or something like that, like a... Or just regular plain old ice cream mm-hmm. cone might work too, but I like waffle cone as a mm-hmm. seemingly more interesting descriptor. And then there's something that's kind of a vanilla cherry in the aroma as well. Definitely smell. It's a good sniffer, that's for sure. Red ales are not, especially Irish reds, right? This one doesn't claim to be an Irish red, right? right. This is rusty red, and it's uh, you know uses a Vienna, but you know. One, red ales are traditionally one of my least favorite styles, but this one smells pretty, pretty interesting. I think it still needs to be a little bit warmer because I'm not getting quite as much good volatiles off as you are. It's at 56. There's a little bit of caramel in there. You're actually already warmer than me. Mm. Moving on to the flavor, mm-hmm. bit of toffee. You get some good breadiness. It's a sweet breadiness. I'm trying to think of how to best describe it. There's a little bit of that white bread crust, but it's also almost like it's glazed with a, a you know a simple syrup or something like that. Right? There's a bit more of a sweetness to the crustiness. It's a bit like a French toast to me, like it's a, a custardy toast. Okay. With uh, maybe some syrup on it. Yeah, that would be more along that lines. And so, let me give another sip here. Something like a hollow bread, like an eggy bread. Okay. With an eggy custard, mm-hmm. and then maybe some some kind of like some, something brown sugarish. Okay, yeah. As I drink it, um, on my like third little sip now, and uh, each sip gets progressively getting more and more bitterness out of it, yeah. as opposed to the vanilla, cherry, and then sweet breadiness I was getting up front. So it's kind of you know walking us through a way you know towards the back of the bus where it's more bitter. Yeah, the, the bitterness is starting to come through, and it's a little mm-hmm. bit like hmm, a little bit kind of tangerine, but also there's something almost like celery about it. Okay. Yeah, I, I kind of I kind of get that little touch of celery note. Yeah, it's a bitter. It's an interesting bitter yeah. component that. Hmm. It feels almost drying in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Uh, does leave a nice dry. It finishes dry on your palate. Hmm. And as I'm tasting this, that's starting to dominate that mm-hmm. bitterness, and the maltiness is starting to go away and get. And what's there is starting to actually feel a little bit oversweet. Hmm. I'm not sure I can go. Not getting the oversweet, but yeah, as I'm drinking this, <clears throat> it, it, it's. I'm thinking, you know, let, let's pair this thing with some food or something like that. I think, you know, by itself, 
you know, it's a red style, right? So it's not the, my favorite of things. Um, so I'm trying to think how it could be optimized with. No, my la- the last sip was a. Uh, Maybe, you know, sometimes drinking speed matters, right? I took that last sit down pretty quickly and it was it was more malty and, yeah. and less of the bitterness. No, it's almost starting to taste... I'm almost getting a little bit of a little bit of Bazooka Joe in there. Okay. So there's a little bit of bubble gum. And it's starting to... Yeah, starting to lay on my tongue a little bit. Again, in a weird way, like an artificial sweetener, but more like... Um, but really like an artificial sweetener. Okay. Hmm. I'm not. I'm not sure. It, it's an. Uh, it's. It's interesting because the first few flavors were really dominated by the malty, and now right. it's turning in the 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 way that the beer is evolving is not in a way that I'm really enjoying that much. Okay, I'm gonna move on to the next one. Sure. All right. So the next beer. Also, we were, you know, we uh, had an influx this week, so we're doing all beers supplied by uh, by brewers. This one came all the way from Maui Brewing Company, and this is the Lahaina Town Brown. That's, looked up that pronunciation just for you. Yeah, we looked it up a couple different ways. Wanted to make sure we got that as good as we could, and I think that's appropriate for a North American accent. I'm sure if you had a native uh, Hawaiian accent, yeah. you'd do a little bit better. So this is a fall-winter release. Uh, this is an American brown ale, blend of Munich dark crystal and chocolate malts, and it is 5.2% alcohol by volume. Ah, there we go. That's a nice big aroma on that. I like it. This beer came USPS. Breaking the law, breaking the law. <laughs> The USP box, the USPS box, though, it, you know, it was one of the flat rate boxes, but it actually had a special uh, decal on it that was from Hawaii. Like, oh, like, like, that's cool. Like, on the box was made to be shipped from Hawaii. Interesting. So this has, yeah, it's really, it, it's a very dark with brown highlights. If you hold up to the light, <coughs> it's got about a finger's worth of head. Top of the, the top of the can here it says certified made on Maui, and I remember when I interviewed Garrett Marrero, uh, GABF, a couple of years ago. It wasn't this last time out? Um, I believe he's where I got the idea of fiercely local. I think that's where oh. I heard him can't him can't coin the phrase first. And um, so, like a lot of their beers, their coconut porter uses local coconuts. Yeah. They do a pineapple beer that sure, uses local pineapple porter. I remember it being really yeah. good. And uh, so I don't know about the brown here. There's a there's actually a part of the panel here that talks about it. I'll kind of look through it here. It's telling us the notes that the things we'll be tasting. Um, Give that a whiff. There's a lot of, yeah. of maple notes or molassesy notes. Normally found only on Maui, so they don't ship this one off of Maui for distribution. So, wow. so if you want to try this beer, you have to go on vacation, or you're going to be one of the lucky few that live on Maui. Yeah, the aroma is um, big, and you get you know the typical things, but you get this kind of um, there's there's this. It, you know what? It smells chewy. It smells chewy, but actually, yeah, it does. I I was kind of focusing on the part of the smell that reminds me of of a uh, of aromatic wood. You know, it reminded me a little bit of Palo Santo Marone. You know how they use that Palo yes, Santo wood. Yes. You know, there's a perfumey. There's a kind of there's some kind of perfumey woodiness, and that's that's kind of the first thing that struck me on the nose. There's a lot of other things. There's some cocoa in there. There's a let's see, touch of I'm getting a touch of vanilla. The thing that's coming to my mind, the picture that's evolving in my mind is: Have you ever seen those brownies? But they're not brownies. They're they're chocolate chip cookie brownies. So mm-hmm. it's like a chocolate chip cookie, but Deeper and cake like. Okay. Has a. Yeah, it's. I mean, for an American brown ale, this one has a much richer smell than yeah, your It smells used really to, robust for a 5.2% brown ale. 
You get, yeah, it uh, smells like I would expect a porter to. You actually get some roasty aromas that you'd pick. I was just going to say that you know you would typically associate with a porter. The beer pours very dark brown. You get some kind of ruby highlights out when you hold it up to the light. Um, if you hold it at arm's length, you could debate whether it's brown or black, but it it, it wins out on brown. Yeah, it's probably brown just because I think you can see a little bit at the mm-hmm. edge. <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's pretty dark. Beer came in a can, if you didn't hear me when we opened it. Oh my goodness, tastes like a cookie, doesn't it? It does. It has that same flavor. And then the finish tastes like... Oh, almost like a, a... I'm trying to think, like a... Use your words. <laughs> Use words. Yes. What's coming to mind, what I'm trying to describe is like one of the flavors in that saltwater toffee box, right? Like maybe like the the, the mm. coffee caramel flavor or something like that, right? Okay. That, that's interesting. I can see that. That came like after the cookie, but I mean, when you first take a sip, it's like biting into a cookie. It's such a rich beer. Yeah, I think it's it's a little coffee-like maybe, and but but a coffee that has had a non-dairy creamer in it. Okay. I'm not sure. I have never had <laughs> coffee with non-dairy creamer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least not since I was... No, no. I drink coffee black since I started drinking coffee. Mm. So if I've ever had coffee with non-dairy creamer, it was... It's just part of the... It's just a little part of the it was a single. It was a single occasion when I was, you know, 18 years old, and I have no idea what it tasted like, so... Maybe I should try it just so I could add that to my vocabulary. <laughs> it's if, if I say it's not very good, then that's going to impact on the beer. I, I, <laughs> it was just something that reminded me of that. Okay. I don't think that coffee with non-dairy creamer is very good, but there's a flavor reminiscent that that I believe crosses okay. both, it, it intersects both. But I'm liking this a lot. Yeah, so we talked about the cookie, right? There's... There's notes of chocolate chip. There's notes of Oreo. There's mm-hmm. notes of. There's definitely some sort of deeper molasses mm-hmm. in here. That is beyond cooking. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, finding what that is, is really the hard part. Because I think that's a major component. The, the breadiness is, is, like you said, like a cookie. Mm-hmm. But. Okay, so where is, how deep does that molasses go, and what is it like? As I take more sips, I want to just uh, clarify. The first sip tastes like a nice sweet cookie, right? As you drink it, this beer, you, you're getting into some more of the... I'm sorry, did I say something silly? I just thought it sounded a little bit like you were doing yeah. a Italian... As you drink this beer. Oh, oh I didn't. Okay. Sorry, sorry about that. Um, it's not a super sweet beer. It's not like we're drinking a voodoo donut or something like that. Mm. You know, there's a good bitterness to this beer mm-hmm. too, a good balance. Mm. So we've been really talking about the sweetness, but I was starting to worry we're starting to mislead a little bit because it's not something that's a uber sweet. No, beer. it's 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 very balanced for what it is. It has this deep molasses in mm-hmm. there, and we're focusing on that. So that's where we're trying to figure out, mm-hmm. figure out flavor descriptors, but. There's enough bitterness to balance it out so it doesn't feel oversweet. But I, I, I couldn't a, tell you what the hops are. Take another sip. I'm going to throw something at you when I think you might be tasting it. Cayenne. Not so much the heat, but the flavor part of it. I would go more nutmeg. Okay. Yeah. I, I, okay, I, I can see nutmeg too. The I don't feel the cayenne. Okay, it just feels like you know when they add it to a cocoa or something like that. I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I I can see where you're. I can see the Venn diagram. <laughs> right, the the, yeah. the almost overlapping part yeah. of the circle that I think overlaps. Right. Sure, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, okay. I, I wouldn't fit in that. Nutmeg's a good call though.
I'm not really getting all the way back to that saltwater toffee box that I thought I tasted for a sip. I can't really describe that as a flavor I'm tasting much anymore. But, you know, first sip, that's that was pretty prominent. Walking through that aisle, let's see what I can come <laughs> up with for this flavor. Because it's, it's really... It's, it, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I only have this tiny little bit left. Yeah. And I'm wrecking it. And when I, when I smell this, it reminds me of... A beef jerky I just had a couple weeks ago. <laughs> like, so what are the components of beef jerky? I guess the teriyaki sauce or something like well, that. Well, well, not necessarily. I mean, you can just right. do just. You can have beef jerky yeah. without any. Yeah, stuff. but that stuff's not going to be very good. <laughs> it's salt and yeah. all, all the all the glutenase is part of yeah. meat. Maybe they, you know, could be something like a molasses that you would you would put into a. You know, a rub or something. Well, you absolutely... I mean, if you're thinking about, like, a lot of barbecue sauces have mm-hmm. caramel molasses in yeah. them to bring out those deep melanoidin flavors. Yeah, that was the uh, Lahina Town Brown from Maui Brewing Company. Mm. So, before we move on to the next beer... Canned, um, so on the bottom has the canning date, but it says canned Aloha, twelve twelve thirteen. So it must have been canned in December. It's the end of the run for this one. So, do you want to support Craft Beer Radio? Of course you do. So, what's the best way to support us? Amazon. Go to Amazon, but some- not Amazon. Go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. That's right. You can buy your Snoop Dogg singles there. If you want to. Amazon MB3. I doubt you can buy gin, but I'm certain you can buy juice. (laughs) Nice. uh, Yes, craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. That is the the referral. That throws in a referral link to your shopping. Just start your shopping session there. Costs you nothing more. And it gives us about 6% of your bill instead of all that money going straight to Amazon. And we've talked many times about how Jeff Bezos does not need that money. Definitely. Now, yeah, I mean, this is better than, you know, the new season of betas or something like that, right? So you definitely want to give the money to us. And uh, I don't know. I think that's about it this time. Yeah. Thank you. There's also a PayPal link on the on the show notes if you're so inclined to send us cold hard cash. Back to the beers. All right. So they're both big beers next. I'm trying to figure out the order to do these in. Let's do that one first. All right, so we have a beer here from Oscar Blues Brewery. This is Old Chub, but this is not your normal Old Chub. This is a pounder can. This is their Nitro Scotch Ale. It doesn't sound like it has a widget in the can. Interesting. But it is a very stiff can. Feel how stiff that is. That is very stiff. So There's a little bit of give, but not much. Again, this is provided us to us by Oscar Blues. All right, so it's kind of foaming up out the mouth. So I don't know, maybe, oh, you know what? They don't really have the ping pong ball widgets anymore. They have kind of things that get wedged in at the very bottom. So this one might have Uh, that in it. Maybe you could cut it open. We could take a look. Yeah, I think we definitely will have to take a peek inside and uh, reveal the mystery of. All right, so being a typical nitro beer, let's look. You'd expect some kind of cascading here. But so, typical nitro beers normally aren't poured into snifters, so the dynamics of the glass might uh, yeah. mess things up a little bit. They say it's brewed with uh, what they claim is bodacious amounts of malted barley and specialty grains and a dash of, check this out, beechwood smoked malt. So as opposed to just beechwood aged, this is beechwood smoked. Right. Beech smoke is uh, fairly common. Oh, yeah, there's definitely a widget in there. I'll take a look. Oh yeah, but yeah, like, like not like the you shape said, of it's, it's stuck to the bottom as opposed to yeah. being free floating. Yeah, not the shape of anything I've seen before. It looks almost like a Keurig cup, an upside down Keurig cup. Yeah, the key, the coffee things. Yeah, it's smaller than a K cup, but it looks like one. All right, this beer, Old Chub, pours uh, about as dark, maybe a little bit darker than the last beer, the Maui beer. Uh, I hold it up to the light. I can't see much through it except for. A little, a little reflection. Oh, no, I see a little brown coming through, actually. 
a little dark. Yeah, it's this. Yeah, it's almost a ruby colored reflection on the thing. Scotch ales, not typically one of my favorite styles. Okay. Uh, now, Old Chubb's not really a typical example. No, of it's style. not like a wee heavy or something like that. It's it's more of a malty thing. Mm. So, but it has two things for me going against it. <laughs> Just want to start my biases <clears throat> mm-hmm. out before we get into it. I'm not a huge fan of a traditional Scotch style. Mm-hmm. Like you're not a huge fan of red ales, and I'm not a big fan of nitro. Okay. Yeah, it's a rare beer for me that Nitro improves yeah. over the carbonated version. Give this one a try. Hold this up to my nose. And, I mean, the last beer was a bazooka of aroma, right? So this one's, any beer after the last one's going to seem, you know, closed off in comparison. And this one's kind of there. I'm not getting a huge aroma on it. What I am getting, Greg got in a little too deep. <laughs> His nose is a little wet now. Just a bit. Smelling. Well, uh, the thing is that we, it's it's a pounder can, so we pour more. So normally I can sniff deeper right, the, into these, but there's exactly. more beer in here. Uh, extra, extra two ounces in your glasses, messing everything up. All right, so I'm smelling. Uh, oh man, I, I wonder how much was suggestion from what you told me, but I was smelling a little. A little bit. It took me out to my my barbecue, my smoker. You know, it reminded me of, of cooking some meat on charcoal grill. You know, that beechwood smoke. I think I might have got you know something that kind of took me outside to my grill. You know, it's a good smoking material, or at least I've used it before and it mm-hmm. works. And I think I got it from Mountain Brown. Was if you get if you cook some corn, you take those cobs okay. and just throw them on the fire. Oh, yeah? They make some good smoke. Huh. Never heard of that. All right, let's see. I'm going to do the old uh, turn the glass on its side and troll it so I get some surface area. Head on this one just keeps on coming, right? It didn't get much of a cascade on the pour like you could do from like a Guinness yeah. or something. That might have been because we are using half a glass in a snifter shape. But there's plenty of head on this thing. Big, thick, creamy head. I didn't smell the smoke until my last smell and then it definitely came through yeah it's not like a smoked beer per se right but i just i wonder how much of it is me smelling it on my own how much of it was you suggesting it to me but you know it just everyone so you know smells such a memory sense right yeah and i just i took a whiff and it put me upstairs back on the deck grilling some meat you know that's kind of where it took me All right, let's move on to the flavor here. Very creamy, as you'd expect from a nitro beer. It, uh, let's see. It. <laughs> I think that's kind of typical for what I'm used to, right? I mean, to me, yeah, the nitro got... generally washes the flavor out, and it, it, uh, sure, it's drinkable, but it's, it's harder. It, it, it's it harder on the show to describe because you got to dig behind all that those fine little bubbles and the nice smoothness. It definitely gives it a, a lot of smooth and it makes it feel richer. Mm-hmm. But the the flavor itself is sort of vaguely whiskey like. With so there's a little bit of smoke, a little bit of peat, mm-hmm. and the the actual the actual malt components almost taste a little maybe i was suggesting myself into this but almost a little corn like <laughs> of course because you just mentioned that yeah um i'm not like roasted corn right so you're not talking about like corn beer you're talking yeah. about like corn is a food corn is a cooking implement right so so and, and corn has a good amount of sweetness to it and then when you roast it it also brings out more of that mm-hmm. sweetness so let's see. I first take the sip. I get this. I'm trying to figure out how to describe it because it does remind me a lot of like the first, like say the first second of your sip, right? It reminds me an awful lot of drinking a Guinness, right? Yeah. And it's mostly because of the body 
that's it's before you really get the flavor absorbed into your tongue, right? So you're just getting mouthfeel and then you're really getting the creaminess. It's not nearly as roasty as a Guinness. It's going a different direction. You're getting a more malty. You're getting something that's... I think you're getting some of the bitterness, you know, from the hops, right? It, I hate to say this, but th- I keep thinking that this is what I'm tasting. And it's, it's a slight bit lemony or something like that. Like, uh... I don't know how good, how close that is, but that's what I, I, I didn't say it twice. And then the third time my body's like, come on, dude, it's, it's slightly lemony. Well, you taste it. it, you taste it. Yeah. I don't necessarily know if I taste that. It, it's tasting more along the lines of, how can I get away from whiskey? Cause it's not, it's not quite that either. But see, the more actually, this last sip was was where you were going with the whole little bit of uh, peatiness. You know, it's it's not nearly as boozy. It is eight percent, so you, you know, there's a little bit of it hides it well. I think the nitro helps. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of a Scotch character in there. Now I have I have had barrel aged chub when we were out at. Um, oh, it was it was before you made it out to Denver. Oh, okay. This year, you know, right when I got in Denver, I went on that bus trip, and we were at the. Uh, at the brewery in Lyons, and they have a tasting room with a fancy name. It's like the Wild Weasel or something like that. And I'm looking at all the materials here that they sent us, um, but I don't see the name of the tasting room. Anyway, they had a yeah, they had a barrel aged had a barrel aged chub there, and uh, that was quite different from uh, you know the normal ones. I think it was probably in a Stranahan barrel or something like that. Okay, so let's see the. St- Nitro Scotch Ale must dispense through a nitro faucet. Recommended 75% nitro, 25% carbon dioxide uh, gas blend at 30 plus PSI. <laughs> this is made for the uh, yes. the bars, yes. You think? Yes. It does use that, that whole uh, Brobdingangian celebration of rich malts, or whatever that word is. How do you pronounce that word, the... Oh, God, I don't know. I thought that was one you read on the website, too. No, no I read bodacious. Oh, bodacious. No, I used a better word on the material here. I mean, it looked like it's like they're trying to like twist Boddington into something, <laughs> right? But I don't know. Rob Dignangian. Let me look that I'm going to look that up because that is new. It's a new word. Yeah. Talk. I am talking. <clears throat> Working my way through the old chub. It's 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 a fine drinker. It's it's one of those beers that's hard for us to. The, maybe maybe that's the problem with nitro is it's hard to talk about. It's hard to dig yeah. into. It makes the beer very drinkable. You know, if you're in the pub and you're with your buddies, this beer would be very drinkable. Absolutely. Unfortunately, and it will if if you are so inclined. At eight mm-hmm. percent, it will enhance those, it could, the, the the what what shall we say the liquidity of your personality (laughs) yes but when you're on the show here in a quiet room Mm -hmm. trying to describe the beer to all our great listeners it makes it difficult it's it's hard to pull out tons of nuance on it but it's a fine drinker rob dignanian means gigantic okay that's it just plain old that's all it says (laughs) it's not a whole lot it just says gigantic We'll have to go, in the post show. We'll go to Edam online and figure yeah. out where this word came from. So, I perhaps the drinkability is letting me look past the the whiskiness that I've sort of turned off. Okay, uh, that that turns me off a bit from it, and I'm enjoying this more than I thought I would, which is a good sign right i it's a good sign for a scotch ale yeah it might just be the nitro that's doing that but it's sure. working it's working it's doing it's, it's, yeah i mean it's like it's, it's unfortunate it's a kid's it's it's a fine drinker i'm enjoying it i you know i'm drinking through it it's just on our show the beers where we can find lots to say about it yeah tend to come across as better beers right and um you know this one's just a hard one. I think I did a fair job, but I'm kind of done. I think nothing else I can really find to say about it. You know? Yeah, there's not a lot of journey going on with this. It's it's pretty straightforward. It it tastes to me like 
a good scotch ale should taste i think it's just mm-hmm. normally that's the kind of beer i don't i dislike i think the nitro is really helping it yeah well the question would be if you in, in a weird way are, those two things i dislike right. mixed together right. are, are helping it. so the question is and it might be a strange question for someone such as yourself with your current brewery preferences regular chub or nitro chub which would you buy at the store right i would buy the nitro chub I'm thinking I would probably get Nitro Chud too. I mean, it depends. If I was if I was buying it for the show to talk about, I would get regular Chud. Yes, absolutely. If I was buying uh, a four pack, this thing probably comes in four packs. Not a lot of people do a beer show. So yeah, if I was buying a four pack to drink with some buddies or just to drink when I'm watching the hockey game or something like that, I would probably go Nitro Chud. Yeah, I think so. All right, keep saying Chud. That's that's the beer report guy. (laughs) Old Chub Nitro. Sorry for uh, getting your trademark wrong. I don't know how many times I said that. Shout out to the beer report. Those good good guys. All right. So the glasses definitely need rinsed after the old Chub because the, the head outlasted the beer. That's for sure. A beer I did not expect to finish. And I totally did. I, the 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 most interesting part for me was part of the thing that Greg said he was worried that he wouldn't like, and that was where I was getting these interesting notes of whiskey mm-hmm. or scotch type character out of it. You know, I like myself a good scotch, and um, I actually I noticed I like a really good scotch too, but mm-hmm. in moderation. This is like definitely. a triple. This is like a but triple. I don't rinser. like bad scotch. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The. Um, yeah, what was, what was I going to say, though? Um, or, or, or cheap whiskey. Yeah. forget what I was going to say. Triple rinser. Trying to get that yeah. nitro head off the glass. It's really sticky. All right. We're down to the last beer of the evening. This is from Southern Tier Brewing Company. Provided to us by Southern Tier. And this is a beer called Compass. Comes in a 22-ounce bottle. They call it a bottle-conditioned imperial sparkling ale. What does that mean? I'm not sure, but it says brewed with rose hips and citrusy hops. I, I find this description, or at least the, yeah, their their little marketing spiel, interesting. Okay, so I'm going to read it fully. We rely on age old tools in the brewery, despite being surrounded by high technology. As a sort of compass, we use the six pointed brewer star. To help navigate uncharted brews, the cardinal directions of water, malt, grain, yeast, hops, and brewer make the baseline. From there, anything goes. Sometimes the journey is as important as the destination. Well, the last line is there, but the other stuff I kind of, I think that the it's interesting that they chose compass and they use that mm-hmm. uh, the six pointed star which. When I first saw it, it confused me because it looks like a Star of David. It's the same sort of thing. But I didn't realize that it pointed to card. I don't know if that's something they made up or if that's what it is. Six-pointed star. Water, melt, grain. Water, water. sorry, malt, grain, yeast, hops, and brewer. They have an eight-pointed star on the label, so I'm not sure. <laughs> Which would what you'd expect for a Yeah, compass. well, well it, they have a... <clears throat> A compass thing that mm-hmm. actually has right. also points in other directions, but the 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 alchemical sign. Oh, okay. You know the it looks mm-hmm. kind of like a star of David, okay. the same star. See, right there, that's the one. Oh, that one. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So it's on the label too. There's a hop, and then on the bottom there's a there's a alchemical star, but it, you easily confuse it with the same thing as the star of David. Okay, so. It is 9.0% alcohol by volume. It's fermented with an ale yeast, two types of hops, and three types of malts. The color, they say, is a light straw. Actually, the label is opposite. Did you misread? It says three hops and two malts on the label. Three types of malts and two types of hops, it says on the... Label's the opposite. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. All right, so the beer pours a hazy. Oh, they also say the gold. style is bottle conditioned sparkling ale with rose hips. Let's make sure we know yes, that there are rose the, hips in this the style. All right, so it's hazy, Ooh, golden. The nose is uh, citrusy hops. Uh, orangey, very orangey. orangey. 
Yeah, it doesn't really come across very perfumey, very perfumey orange. It, it it's much more orangey and sort of orange oil than your usual kind of orange that mm-hmm. we have to mm-hmm. almost pick out. This is right blowing so, up. So you keep jumping on orange, but I think it's a little more tangerine. I I wouldn't disagree. Okay. I mean, because tangerine, okay, what's the difference between orange and tangerine? Let's try to, to, I don't know if I can talk through that. Let's see. It's a little more, how could I describe that? It's more, it's, it's, it's more, a little sweeter. It, it's so, sweeter and, and maybe it depends on, on what one you get. It mm-hmm. could be slightly more sour. So it's it's more, yeah. it's like an orange with a lemon, right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. I was going to say it's. Tangerine typically is a little more concentrated aroma than an orange. It's a little sweeter and a little lemony. That's kind of where I was kind of trying to take it. I'm just surprised at how little I have to smell to get something from this. It is bursting. It is bursting. It is positively bursting. It is blowing itself out. And usually you got to take deep sniffs, but I can just take a tiny sniff and get a huge burst. The, uh, I think what's interesting about this one is typically when they're this saturated with flavor, they tend to smell pithy, right? You tend to get, I'm, I'm yeah. not getting any kind of pithy aroma. It smells like the meat, you know, the flesh of the fruit, right? I don't, I, it smells like the peel, if you ask yeah? me. Okay. The peel, which has the most concentrated oh, you oil. Know, yeah, you're right. Actually, there's a, well, there's two parts. There's there's definitely an oily peel part of the aroma, but there's also a, a, a juicy, sweet a meat part of the uh, or a flesh part of the uh, aroma depends. How, I think it's. Uh, I think it depends on how hard you sniff. If you sniff gently, it smells like the peel. If you gen- sniff harder, it smells more like the flesh to me. I can see where that's coming from. Yeah, I agree. But the nice thing is, you really can just sniff mm-hmm. this gently and get yeah. a wonderful aroma coming off it. That's that's pretty amazing. Right. Now, I, now I, I think this is the first beer I've ever had that was that powerful in yeah. the aroma. Now it's smelling grapefruit, like straight up grapefruit. I'm smelling getting really, you know, just a. I think I, I'm still in the tangerine okay. area. Yeah, for me, sometimes a couple of sniffs ago, it changed from tangerine to grapefruit. Pretty, pretty. Oh, there! I just got grapefruit. Okay, it just it that's, just turned into. That's grapefruit. the power of suggestion, right there. All right, time to taste this puppy. No, no hint of rose hips in the aroma. No. Really, smells like a double IPA. You know, they call it a nine percent sparkling ale, but it smells like a double IPA. Doesn't taste like a double IPA, right? It's no. not so bitter. I I like the call of a sparkling ale that does kind of fit. I can taste the rose in the flavor. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. There's a rose water quality to it, along with that sort mm-hmm. of grapefruit tangerine. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's it's straddling that line. The flavor's pretty different from the aroma. Yeah. The rose is really interesting. It also comes across kind of... i got to figure out what herb I want to use here, but it's... Uh, Oh man, there's got to be an herb that's like that. It has something herbal to it. I'll just start there. It has this herbal flavor, and it's. I'm thinking of the. It's. It's. it's that's sage. a tough one. It's. It's. Um. It's not rosemary, but it's little leaves that come off of a stalk. Thyme. Yeah, a little thyme. Well, see, I think sage is a good call, actually, but. You know, you have to have like old, not so fresh, fresh sage, you know, like, well, not so potent sage, you know, sage that is kind of old and not so full of aroma. You get a combination of sage, but then you need to throw in something with a little bit, um, a little bit more tang to it or a little bit more mint to it, right? Something like blend sage with, mm, Mm. what do you blend sage with? What would I blend for to get this flavor? Okay, um, you know, well, sage and and rosemary are obviously sage and and thyme go well together mm-hmm. too. Thyme might be the thing to blend it yeah. with. Yeah, it's a very there's interesting also a, beer. I'm thinking there's there's a component 
as long as we're jumping into herbs, mm-hmm. there's a component maybe of tarragon. I mean, tarragon tend to be tends yeah. to be a little bit licoricey, but okay. there's also okay, yeah, yeah, that works. Because I was looking for something that kind of had a a mint character to it, yeah, and you know, a licorice anise character might might supplant that, right? So I think tarragon's a good call, yeah. So these rose hips give it a very herbal character, mm-hmm. and this is see this is. This is good for the show, right? Because it's a journey beer that we can really talk about. Um, we'll have to see how it ranks. But, you know, it just because we have tons to say doesn't mean that it's um, better or worse than we're, you know, beers we don't have Most of, 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 of these food, they, a lot of these sites now have food pairings, and I generally mm-hmm. tend to ignore them. But at the end of this one is Thai food. And what that makes me think is jasmine oh, rice. Well, I mean, think of, um, okay, Thai food. That's a good one. But, like, think of... Um, so that, would, think that of, would be... And, and if you think of that, then that brings me back to basil. Well, the, there's that, which, but when you said Thai food, I, I jumped a nationality, but I was thinking of pho. And, and all the, 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 the herbs you put into right. pho, this would go great with an anise pho, wouldn't it? It probably would. <laughs> yeah, it would. Probably go really great with it. So, so what, what, than a what durian are, shake? I guarantee. <laughs> what are the accompaniments with pho? It's uh, they do they use sage or no? Cilantro, cilantro, bean sprouts, lime. What's the big leaves? There's cilantro, but isn't there's another one with big leaves, right? No, I don't think I so. Thought there was two kinds of herb, and then the the other things you mentioned. Oh. Basil. Is it basil? Yeah. Okay. Thai yeah. basil. Okay. Oh, Thai basil. Okay. Yeah. So that has definitely has a different character than mm-hmm. you know the the and pesto than pesto basil. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I want that. I want some pho right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got to be open, right? It's only ten fifty three at night on Saturday. Mm, probably closing up. <laughs> well, we can get there, man. We can make it in two or three minutes. <laughs> It's only 25 miles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You want to get on to the rankings? Let's do it. I, I'm I'm curious as to your rankings because I'm trying to figure out mine. All righty. Okay. I, I am starting my rankings here. Do you want to pause for a sec? Yeah, let's do that. All right, we're back from a short pause, so we didn't waste your time with right. uh, our deliberation. Yeah, I'm going to go first since you went first last time. All right. My number five beer, my last beer of the night, my uh, the, the number five beer, the Oso Rusty Red. Didn't really enjoy it, kind of, especially that after, that, that sort of after thing that made, that turned it into something kind of sweet and and, mm-hmm. and, and weirdly chemical. Which was slightly different than my number four beer, which is the New Planet. The New Planet had, I think, more of an excuse, if you will. And also I got used to it more. Mm-hmm. The Rusty Red didn't get better. It, it only sort of, it it stopped being, it started out pretty good and then it got kind of worse and worse. And then, but the the New Planet, it just sort of got better and better, as I said. It still was not what I would Call a great wit beer. Well, but don't try to pigeonhole it as exactly. Whip beer. That, that's I the think thing. I think that you know we were trying to help the listeners figure out where yeah. in the Belgium spectrum it is, and I mean, other than generic Belgian, the best we can do is right. towards a wit beer. But right? ultimately, so. I, I enjoy the new planet more than Rusty Red. The third would be the Old Chub. I enjoyed a Scotch Ale much more than I ever thought I would, in part because of the nitro, which I generally don't like. Right. That's surprising to me. Good job, Oscar Blues. My number two beer is this one we're drinking right now, the Southern Tier. I think that the the aroma was it was lovely and fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I loved how beautiful it was. But I think the Maui kind of takes the cake for me. It was really a really interesting, different brown ale that presented a lot of unique flavors that you don't normally get in a mm-hmm. brown ale, but without being 
porterish or stouterish. Right. It still was very right. interesting. On that, that's a right. good point. Uh, I think that I'm going to start from the bottom as well. Uh, I think I think some of the points you made are right, and um, I'm going to have to put the Oso Brew, um, the Rusty Red, in last place. Uh, had a, a neat aroma. That's one where I said it smelled like waffle cone. And the first couple of sips were, were were pretty good, but then for some reason it kind of got a little long on the palate, and um, I was looking for ways to um, ways to ways to imagine where the you know for again it's a it's a red ale you know not one of my favorite styles. We do have other beers from Oso Brewing coming uh, in future shows, and they're styles that we're both you know more attuned to yeah. so so uh stay tuned for those but i'm gonna have to put that one in last place the new planet yeah i think that's gonna be uh in fourth place for me as well just like you um the sorghum flavor didn't bother me as much when i did taste it you know i i find it is just something interesting and new now we had that the whole discussion whether does gluten-free beers play with the big boys or do they play in their own league right yeah just for for people that need to drink gluten-free beer i i do think that until i find something that really plays with the big boys i think they're at a disadvantage by not being able to use grains yeah that humans for thousands of years have they're found playing a real good double a ball yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it, right? I think the beer's a fine beer. And if you are a celiac, it, it, it's a great substitute. You're not drinking crap, right? But, you know, for someone who can drink whatever they want, you're not going to find yourself going there an awful lot. Mm-hmm. It's worth a try. It's worth keeping in the fridge for if you have a friend who's a celiac, right. that's for sure. Um, but you're not going to find yourself choosing this beer over barley beers. Um had some neat flavors to it. I like the honey character. The The vanilla didn't really stand out. The cinnamon really didn't stand out hugely. They kind of just blended in. Yes. That's probably a good thing because it wasn't a cinnamon vanilla beer. It was their take on a Belgian. I would have liked to see more yeast character in the beer. Yeah, I think you sort of expect that out of <clears> Belgian and there yeah. wasn't really coming through. And you would think that the yeast character could potentially help with that. Enhance it in some Help way. with that sorghuminess of, of the beer. But, you know, we got a couple other new planets as well. So we will uh, keep you updated on, on some of their lineup. Uh, I'm going to agree with you on the ch- old Chubb Nitro for the third beer. Uh, you know, it's it's double-edged swords for the show. The Nitro made it very drinkable. The Nitro made it difficult to talk about and describe. It kind of washes out some of... At least for me, it washes out some details. of the finer details of the yeah. flavor. It made the beer very drinkable. There was an appealing uh, whiskey component to it. Um, and But there was a lot of time we're on the show sitting here saying, okay, trying to dig in, but it, it's putting up this force field that I can't get past and, you know, to really describe the flavors. Plasma. Uh, and so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, <coughs> excuse me. I was uh, the same with Greg up to this point, but I switched to top one and two. <coughs> Jeff is a little Forgive sick. Me. Sorry, everybody. Forgive me. I'm getting over a cough. Uh, the Maui was a delicious beer. But I didn't find it delicious like the whole way through. It wasn't entirely enjoyable uh, where I thought the compass was. I thought the compass was more fascinating. Uh, all those herby type flavors in the compass. The aroma was wonderful. I'll jump back to the Maui. But that's why the, the compass won. The compass was just more nine innings of awesome and the Maui was you know he made it to the seventh inning and needed to be relieved you know um <laughs> trying to use a baseball analogy there for greg I, I enjoyed the Maui a lot the first couple sips and the aroma were awesome and I, I really don't know how to describe where it missed for me it was still a wonderful beer don't making me say it's number two think it's not awesome but maybe it's just a testament to the compass where i really liked the what they put together you know the the citrusy aroma that tangerine turning into grapefruit and then that herbal rosehip thing that had this sage tarragon thing going on it was just a really well done beer and it makes me want to eat some pho (laughs) 
<laughs> a lot. Yeah, but unfortunately we don't have fun. It would take too long no. to make. So, so that's the rankings for tonight. Oh, came out a little hot there. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Craft Beer Radio. Thank you to the brewers who gave us these beers. And thank you, everybody, for listening. If you would like to uh, contact us, we are at I'm at CBR Greg. On Twitter, I'm at Jeff Bear. And you can also contact both of us at at Craft Beer Radio. If you want to email us, beer at craftbeerradio.com. And uh, we don't really pay much attention to our Google Plus or our Facebook any longer. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license, except for William Shatner back there singing in the background for us. And um, you can visit our website to find out what that means for any part of the show that does not have copyrighted music playing in the background. This is uh, from William Shatner's Has Been album. And uh, I'm a big fan of this song. He's doing the spoken word stuff there. Play us out, Bill.